Would you turn with me now to the chapter that we read, particularly the chapter in uh, Joshua, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. But I would like to look today at uh, the death of Moses and then the commission that uh, Joshua got to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And over the next few weeks, I would like to take a quick sweep through the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible, and it records for us a most interesting and important part of the history of the children of Israel. It tells us of the capture of the promised land, the promised land of Canaan, and of the dividing up to each tribe their portion in it. It tells of the end of the wilderness journeyings. The time they had spent in the wilderness was 40 years, and this is the time when they finish, and the beginning of the new life in the land which had been promised to them. The book of Joshua shows us the faithfulness of God in that he had promised to Abraham hundreds of years before, he had promised the children of Israel this land. And uh, in the covenant that he made with Abraham, he had told them that Abraham's descendants would uh, cover that whole land and would be given that land. And that was at a time when Abraham didn't even have a family. But it shows us the faithfulness of God. But it also shows us what is required of those who would receive the fulfillment of the promises of God. Because we see here what is required of the children of Israel. The land had been promised to them, it was the promised land, and yet severe difficulties had to be overcome. Enemies had to be driven out, and there had to be a constant watch set against would-be invaders before the land could be enjoyed by them. The land, as I say, was a land promised by God himself. It was a gift, a gift of his sovereign grace. And yet, the children of Israel had to fight for every inch of it and had to fight to keep it. And is this not, in miniature, a story of the believer's life? Eternal life is the gift of God, but it's also a crown won by faithfulness. Upon committing your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved, and yet it's only the beginning of your struggles. It's only the beginning of the fight because you have to fight to clear out the enemies that are in you. You have to fight to be watchful of the attacks from outside. You cannot say, I can put my feet up now and relax because I'm a Christian. You cannot do that. Like the children of Israel in the Promised Land, you have to fight against enemies and you have to accept the responsibilities that believing in the Lord Jesus Christ brings upon you. And in this book of Joshua here, we get particular instruction about all this, that we find the struggles that go on in our lives when we become Christians. And in our look at the life and times of Joshua, we pray that we will learn lessons as we go on in how to overcome those difficulties and those battles that we have to fight. Joshua, he was a man who was uh, the son of a man called Nun. We're not much known about him. He was of the tribe of Ephraim. And we know that he was born in Egypt while the children of Israel were slaves down there. So he himself, Joshua, would have experienced the harsh uh, cruelty of the taskmasters of Egypt. But we know that he patiently bore that. And we also know that he patiently bore the 40 years wanderings in the wilderness. And we read uh, snippets about him where we find out that he was very loyal and that he was brave in battle and that Moses had earmarked him to be a captain over his army. We read that when he was fighting against the Amalekites. 
and then he was one of the spies that was sent in to spy out the promised land and he came back with a good report so that his self-discipline that is when he was waiting for Moses remember up on Mount Sinai and all the rest of the children of Israel became impatient and they began to worship the golden calf Joshua waited patiently until Moses returned he was Moses' lieutenant and all these all these snippets that we gather about Joshua they tell us that he was a fit successor uh, for Moses but when the summons did come for him to take over the leadership of the children of Israel we know that he himself would have been very surprised but that others would not now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun Moses' minister saying Moses my servant is dead the death of Moses in Deuteronomy 34 the 5 and 6 we read about the death of Moses so Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord and he buried him that is the Lord buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor but no man knoweth of a sepulchre unto this day we read there in those verses that Moses three times is referred to as the servant of the Lord what an honorable title this was the man who had turned his back on all the riches of Egypt he turned away from the riches of Egypt choosing rather to be a servant of the Lord than to be great in the land of the Pharaohs he was all the leader of the children of Israel he could have been their king but he was faithful to his God a man who was a true servant of the Lord from the time the Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush until he handed over his position to Joshua now but even as a true and faithful servant of the Lord we wonder at the way that the Lord treated him he had to die for it is the lot of all men to die unless Jesus Christ comes first but what surprises us and what leaves us with a niggling sort of disappointment is that Moses died before entering Canaan he must have been very disappointed himself 40 years leading his people to the promised land 40 years leading them through the wilderness and there within a day's journey of the end of his journey within a day's journey of the promised land he dies 40 years training in the palace of Pharaoh 40 years training in the solitude of Midian where he kept sheep 40 years leading the Israelites from Egypt and training them to be a nation and leading them to the promised land before the final step he must die Moses knew long before this that he wouldn't get into the promised land because we read about Numbers 20 at a place called Rephidim the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron because there was no water and they complained and they wanted to go back to Israel they wanted to go back to Egypt and Moses spoke to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and told him to speak to a rock to the rock at Rephidim and water would come out of that rock but Moses seems to have been a wee bit involved with the people and he became angry with them and he says here now you rebels must we fetch you water out of this rock see the two mistakes must we himself and Aaron when God had already told him that he would bring the water out of the rock taken to himself and then we read that he struck the rock twice with his rod in other words twice he had gone beyond what God had told him to do and because of that God told him he would not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them 
the sentence of exclusion was passed and Moses within sight of the promised land was one day told to go up to the top of Pisgah on Mount Nebo and there he died but by the kindness of God we see there that he was given sight of the promised land he was given a tremendous view of the whole land that was to be the people's from this vantage point on Pisgah he was shown all the land of Gilead unto Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho the city of palm trees unto Zoar and as Moses was gazing across that magnificent panoramic view an earthly scene of magnificence it would slowly fade away to be replaced by a vision far more grand far more magnificent he would see the new Jerusalem and he would see Lord Jesus Christ waiting to welcome him home as a mother takes her babe and kisses it and lays it down to sleep so the Lord took Moses his soul and laid his body down we know not where was there ever such a burial as that by Nebo's lonely mountain on this side Jordan's wave in a vale in the land of Moab there lies a lonely grave and no man knows that sepulchre and no man saw it ever for the angels of God upturned the soil and laid the dead man there O lonely grave in Moab's land O dark Beth Pears hill speak to those curious hearts of ours and teach them to be still God hath his mysteries of grace ways that we cannot tell he hides them deep like the hidden sleep of him he loved so well the death of Moses although in our first reading of it we are disappointed and it leaves us with some regret when we study it closely there is nothing to regret there the failure to pass over Jordan is as nothing when compared to the honor which surrounded his departing this life the death of Moses was the climax of his life and is this not so with the Lord's people is this not so with those who die in Christ soon our turn will come and when we are going we will see the glorious provisions of the promises of Jesus outspread before us just like Canaan was spread out at the feet of Moses and then we will be ushered into the presence of Jesus to be with him forever and ever in peace perfect peace there shall we see his face and never never sin but from the rivers of his grace drink endless pleasures in the promised land in which there is no more trouble no more tears no more fighting the promised land with the Lord Jesus Christ but though Moses was removed his successor was already prepared the successor was of Joshua the successor Joshua was already ready to take his place the people weren't left to be scattered at all the people were not allowed to scatter without a, a leader the laborers are removed but the Lord's work goes on we're not sure how Joshua felt when his earthly leader was removed we know that he was a patient man and he had waited before 40 days and 40 nights for Moses on Mount Sinai but this time 
there was to be no return for Moses. God himself told him so, and at the same time gave him a divine commission. Moses, my servant, is dead. Lead my people into the promised land. Now Joshua knew the tremendous task that lay ahead of him. To get the people across Jordan, across the river Jordan, which was in spit at the time, would be no mean task. But he knew that when he reached the promised land, when he reached the other side, there was a warlike people already in possession. They already possessed Canaan and the land round about. They would fight for every inch of the land. And they were experienced in fighting. The Hittites and all these, they were experienced fighters. They had been fighting for hundreds of years. And they were up against a novice nation. A nation that had been slaves for over hundreds of years, 400 years. And had been in the desert for 40 years. So they were unprepared for battle. They weren't a fighting machine at all like the others. The enormity of the task surely shook Joshua. But the one who called him to do the work would not leave him without help. When the Lord says, Arise and go over this Jordan, then we know that there is no such thing as impossibility. When God commands, there is no obstacle that can stand in his way. If it's in his plan that we should march through a swollen rushing river, or attack an impregnably walled city like Jericho, or turn to fight an army, we know that we simply have to go forward. And we will find the same as Joshua did, that he will make the mountains away. He, the river, shall stop and wait for the passing. City walls will fall down, and armies will be scattered as snow. Look at the great commission that Joshua got. Now therefore the land which I do give to them. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And see how with the command goes the enabling, the token of the Lord's presence, the host of heaven arrayed on his side. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The promise there was made to Joshua as the leader of the nation. But what God required of Joshua, he required of the nation. What he promised Joshua, he promised the nation. He promised each individual person. Joshua was merely the channel through which God was promising this help. And he said that as he had been with Moses, Moses had confronted Pharaoh. Moses had gone down to face the mightiest monarch on earth at that time. And he had faced him. He had faced him and the magicians and the astrologers, the astronomers and the wise men and everybody else that, that Pharaoh could produce. And not one of them was able to stand against him. Well, in the same way, powerful nations were facing Joshua. The giants that were there of the Anakin. But Joshua would knew that none would be able to stand against him because the Lord God Almighty Jehovah said as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee or forsake thee what about you my friend are you sad are you lonely are you beset on all sides by difficulties and obstacles then clasp this promise to your bosom I will not fail thee or forsake thee but you may ask, have I a right to do that? Have I a right to do that? A promise that was promised to Joshua thousands of years ago. How can we claim it for our own? Well, read the New Testament, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, where that very text is quoted. He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Holy Spirit records that specifically and particularly for every believer in here. All the promises that are made to individuals throughout the Bible, they are available through the Lord Jesus Christ to every single believer. The Holy Spirit records it for Christians today. God is unchanging, and as he would not fail or forsake Joshua, neither will he fail or forsake any of us. The lowly, trembling soul is able to face the unknown beyond, is able to go and face the absolute unknown, unafraid. Yes, even able to go singing into the valley of the shadow of death, for thou art with me, and thy rod and staff may comfort still. The protection, the power that is available through the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself with us, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. But we note that these promises, these divine assurance of God's presence and his help, were not given to Joshua just so that he would be able to relax and sit back. They weren't given to him as a couch so that he could put his feet up and rest. No, they were given him to do something. They were given him in order to activate him, to gird up his lines for activity. He was to obey the commission given. He was not to say within himself, God has promised me this land, God has promised this land to the children of Israel, and we will most certainly get it because nobody can stand against the Lord, so I didn't do anything. No, no, that wasn't Joshua's part to play at all. The assurances and the promises of God were given as a, as a spur so that he would perform the duty that was laid upon him. As Paul says to the Corinthians in 1558, Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see, God gives us the promises, but he accepts, he expects us to accept the responsibilities for them. It's not about our feet up and to say that's all right and God's in charge of that. He uses us and he works through us and he wants us to be his servants. And when we try, when we're available for the Lord, then he will never leave us nor forsake us. But if our response to God's promises is laziness or carelessness, is that not a proof that we have only received the promises, that we're only accepting them superficially, that we're accepting them carnally, that we're not accepting them spiritually, that we're not lifting our eyes to see the supernatural power that is available to us? The use or misuse we make of the promises of God is a good index to the state of our hearts. Joshua had the promises of God. He was told to be strong and be of good courage. And by laying hold of God's words by faith, he would go forward. He would go across the Jordan. He would take the children of Israel with him. He would face the giants of Canaan. He would overthrow the mighty strongholds. He would overcome the problems that he would face on the way. The problem of feeding the tremendous number of people that he had. Because once he crossed the river Jordan, the manna was going to stop and he would have to feed off the land. And he would have uh, to lead this host that he was responsible for against other nations. He would have to weld this unpromising host of Israel. And they really were a pathetic bunch, if you read their history, a complaining, murmuring, stiff-necked people, ever ready to return back to Egypt. He would have to weld them into a robust fighting nation to drive out the enemy and take possession of the promised land. 
In the same way, my friends, our weakness and fear is often because we don't mix faith with the promises of God. We know the promises, but we push them away from ourselves. We don't accept them as our own, and we don't go forward boldly in the knowledge that God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that every single thing that happens to any one of us is under the control of God. And even so, Lord, as seemeth good to thee. So we go forward joyfully when we mix faith with the promises of God. But notice as well that in the commission, Joshua was commanded to continue in the path of obedience to God's word. He was told to continue in the obedience. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Coupled with the promises, coupled with the encouragement is the direction he's told what to do. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua was the commander-in-chief of the whole of the children of Israel but he wasn't left to do his own thing at all. He wasn't left to his own fallible judgment or to his fickle fancy. He was due to do according to all that was written in the book of the law. The book of the law at that time, and this this first time that we have this book mentioned, would have been composed of five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Written by Moses. But they already had it in a book form because the God himself says it. So it is with the believer, my friend. We are also given all the promises. We are given the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are under grace. Jesus has done all things. We are under grace, not under the law. Yet, there is a gospel rule which we are bound to follow. Whenever you come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what you hear in your ears straight away is, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. We don't do our own thing. We don't make up our own minds about things. We seek and we say, what does the Lord Jesus say about those things? The path of obedience is the path of blessing. And it's amazing that therein lies prosperity. Chase prosperity in any way you like, in any direction you like. And if you don't go on the path of obedience, you will find none of it. You will never find it. Not in this life, nor in the life to come. Will you be prosperous? Will you find prosperity? But it is promised to us here that if we obey what is in the law and we follow the direction that the Lord Jesus Christ sets us in, then we will prosper. This book of the law shall not depart at thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, notice, only then, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The directions given to Joshua for conquering the promised land, for conquering Canaan and enjoying it, are the instructions that we must follow in the good fight of faith. The promised land is promised to us, but we have to fight whilst we are in this world. Battles to be fought. The flesh, our own desires, our own lusts, our own weaknesses, our own frailty fight against us every day. The devil is going about like a roaring lion trying, trying to swallow us up, trying to lead us astray. The world with all its temptations and its lure is trying to lure us off the path. The enemies all around us trying to make us give way. And yet, 
Victory is certain for us, even when we're surrounded by so much enmity. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We are more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ. The power that is available to the Christian through the risen Saviour. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. The world is his footstool. The Lord Jesus Christ stands beside his people. And he says to each one of us today, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Should it not make us go facing the future with joyful hearts? Not only with joyful hearts, but trying to obey him, trying to show others the loveliness of Christ and the power and the strength that is available to each one who puts his hand in the hand of Jesus of Nazareth and follows him. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we praise thee for thy great encouragement for the way that we read in thine own book about uh, the strength and the power and the help and the direction and everything that is required, how it is available to the Christian through the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thee thanks for the way that we are able to read about thine own loving concern for thy servant Moses, the way that thou didst show him the promised land and the way that that sight melted into a sight of the new Jerusalem and the way that thou didst take his body and gently lay to rest no man knows where but thou knowest and one day he will rise and he will appear again and we pray and ask that each one of us will be able to learn from those lessons and the directions that thou didst give Joshua and that we will be able to go forward boldly as true soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ conquering ourselves and reaching out to conquer the world in the name of our Saviour. We ask all these things in Jesus' own name. Amen.